The Athletic. Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club and The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletic's Aston Villa writer, it's Greg Evans. You can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of just $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Hello, Greg. Early morning start for us. So you might have to rack your brains a little bit here, but what have you been up to? <laughs> what, this morning or... Uh, oh, in just, in gen- just in general, just in general. In, t- in terms of athletic reading pieces, that's that's where we try and reel people in, Greg, not with what, what your activity has been in the morning around the house. <laughs> I've got down I've got three I've got three down here that, that I've got you as, as having worked on. We've got a little bit on Matt, Matt Target, obviously signing a new deal, which we'll come on to. You did a big Watkins piece, which was a, an enjoyable read. And you also did quite an interesting... Roland Galtier piece. I mean, my, that, my French accent was completely lacking there. But uh, yeah. Have I said that right? Well, you said the surname right. You got the first wrong first name, but you know, it's we'll bad start. Chris, Christoph Galtier. But anyway, well, uh, <laughs> where's, we'll, I got Roland? where's Roland? <laughs> <laughs> we'll roll with it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's been been a busy week really. It was nice to um, take a little bit look back down memory lane. Really, to, you know, 2015. We've spoken on this podcast so many times, haven't we? About I say it's not it's not nice to die down memory lane for that no, season not, at all, Greg. <laughs> As a reporter, I mean, sometimes it's good to, you know, go back and have a look over old things and what might have been. And um, yeah, as I was saying, you know, that, that season was dreadful, wasn't it? It was... Uh, um, horrible as a reporter, horrible as a fan. I can imagine Dan and and um, but yeah, you know Christoph Galtier, who who is the managed current manager of Lille. He was Villa's first choice back in 2015 when when um, Tim Sherwood was sacked and and he sort of verbally agreed to come to Villa, uh, but then he basically told the Saint Etienne chairman at the time he was manager of Saint Etienne um, that uh, it was interesting going to Villa. The chairman started crying in front of him. He burst into tears himself, and and they both sort of agreed to to you know to to see out the season. And and Villa obviously went for Remy Gard instead. Uh, you know, almost like a second choice. I think David Moyes was under consideration at the same time as well, and a um, couple of others. So yeah, the story was just basically reflecting uh, on what might have been. You know, the processes Villa had in place and how they scouted and, and highlighted um, potential new managers and, and 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 the role that Tom Fox and and Randy Lerner obviously played, yeah. So that's an interesting one. I quite enjoyed putting that together, yeah. And the, the other two are more current, weren't they? You know, Matt Target, I think we've discussed in, in previous podcasts, you know, certainly my feelings towards Matt Target. I classed him as one of the players who I didn't expect to step up um, when, when Villa were really struggling at the, you know, in the first or sort of two thirds of last season. Um, didn't think he was really cut out to be a Villa player. I thought that, uh, you know, he was a little bit weak, maybe a little bit weak mentally as well. But he's, you know, absolutely proved me wrong. You know, I think he's been the player of the season. I think he's been the most improved player by far. Um, very, very, very important part of that bat line and, and Villa are, are keen to, to to time down to a longer term deal. Yeah, so he's next in line for a, for a new contract. Yeah, I think he deserves it as well. I think I had him down as as kind of a fullback who, who liked going forward, but didn't really 
like the dirty work. It wasn't what he was about. But this season, he just seems to absolutely love defending. And we'll come on to the Liverpool game, obviously. But I thought he was up there as one of our best players. Again, just going back to the the Gautier piece, I won't even attempt to go with his first name again this time. Do you like been walking around with a spring in your step because you've like revealed something that nobody knew before? Because I certainly had no idea that, that Villa wanted him. I just thought, I mean, Villa's recruitment strategy was pretty much ask one of the top Premier League managers who we should hire, and then we hired them for, for a spell. We did that with Alex McLeish, and obviously we did it with Remy Gard as well, with Wenger recommending him. But because that's never been revealed before, do, do you not feel good about that story? And the second thing is like, what made you decide to to do that? What made you unearth that at this time? Well, first of all, I felt that you know, with Lille being top of League One, League One, and um, you know, just they just beat PSG, and I thought, wow, you know, this 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 team might might actually go and win the division, you know, which which came as a big surprise to me. Obviously, knew that Galtier was a manager there, and you know that, that there had been some. I think there had been some press reports that 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 Galtier was linked with the um, was linked with the village. I don't think he'd ever gone into much detail of why he didn't get it. So. I just sort of made it my mission to try and find out, um, you know, exactly what went on. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the people that, that were working at the club in 2014, 15, 16 have left now. So, you know, it's difficult to track down the information, but um, you know, managed to speak to a couple of people and, and yeah, you know, I feel it's quite rewarding, you know, when you, when you get something that hasn't been discussed in, in too much detail before. And, you know, I mean, that's our jobs as reporters, isn't it? To give readers something that they, you know, they don't know, something that they don't, you know, that interests them. And, yeah, quite quite a bit of good feedback from from the Villa fans on that. You know, they were certainly interested in in finding out what you know what happened and why he didn't come in. And um, a couple of the comments as well in in, in the section was, uh, you know, asking me why why I've brought up this horrible season again, which I can totally understand. It it was horrible, wasn't it? You know, it, there was just nothing nothing good about it. But you know, what might have been is is interesting to certainly look at from a journalist's point of view. So yeah, that was my thoughts behind it. Mm, let's move on to the the here and now then. I mean, I could talk about your pieces all day because I'm still annoyed about the weekend. Villa, not chucked it away, but obviously have let in a late goal, ended up losing to Liverpool at Anfield 2-1 in stoppage time. Lovely strike from Trent Alexander-Arnold, to be fair. But it was a, I, I felt myself being frustrated that the whole day, really, I just, I kind of felt a little bit. Like Villa gave Liverpool way too much respect. And I thought we played well in spells, but I really think we could have got their centre-backs a little bit more. I just think we treated Liverpool at times like it was the Liverpool of last season, and it, and it really isn't. No. Um, Dean Smith was asked this in his press conference afterwards. He said, did you did you sense a vulnerability in Liverpool going into the game? And, and I mean, he wasn't sort of trying to... Um, uh, you know, dress this up nicely. He, he genuinely didn't sort of expect any vulnerability from them. You know, he went and watched them against Arsenal and, and thought that they were exceptional. I think we we said that as well, didn't we? Um, but you know, I think looking back, there was a there was a. The, I feel like Villa could have got at them a little bit more. I feel like the the, the defeat against uh, Real Madrid would have knocked them a little bit. Um, the, the defenders are clearly, the two centre-halves are clearly not, um, you know, what, what Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk are, even though Villa knocked seven past those in the, in the first game. But, you know, over a course of the season, we know that those are the two defenders would do much better than the current two. And, 
Yeah, Villa had a little bit of a game plan. They they were trying to get Ollie Watkins in between the two of them, you know, Phillips and Oba, um, Kabak, and he certainly did that on a couple of occasions, most notably with the goal. But just feel like, yeah, you know, it's tough, isn't it, when you when you're coming up against Liverpool because even if they're in a difficult spell, you always know that they're going to be a threat going forward. And you know, Salah caused a few problems, didn't he? That the midfield's a lot stronger now that you know Milner and and um, Fabinho are back in there rather than Fabinho to play defence, etc. And I don't know. I feel like they're a very strong squad, uh, very strong team still. So, as as much as I can understand Villa fans' frustrations by not really giving it as good a go as they probably should have, I can also say, well, you know, it's Liverpool. Liverpool are a bloody good side. You've got to expect that. Yeah, I mean, Phillips. I remember when we went to interview Thomas Hitzelsberger for Stuttgart, and Phillips was playing for Stuttgart in the in the second Bundesliga. At that point, I mean, in all honesty, he isn't the required quality to be a regular Liverpool centre-half and it's looking the same for Kabak, although it's obviously early days for him. You just felt we had we got the goal with Watkins. Liverpool had had a spell of pressure before that. It, admittedly, they probably could have had a couple of goals before Villa scored, but it showed that there was a route to cause them problems. And I just felt after we scored, we didn't do enough to try and unsettle those two centre-backs because they're, they're, they're the weak links. That Them two wouldn't get into most Premier League sides. So from that point of view... It's disappointing. Actually, the longer the game went on, and it was 1-1, I kind of felt Villa might be the ones to nick it because Liverpool are very nervy playing at Anfield at the moment. They haven't had a good record at Anfield, but it just then felt at the end like a bit typical that we that we chucked it away in stoppage time and Trent Alexander-Arnold has been getting all kinds of stick in the media. There's obviously all the England stuff as well. He's the man that curls it in from the left flank. No idea still what he was doing over there. For, for, for the left flank, it just it just felt all all a bit typical and felt like it does feel a little bit now like the season's petering out, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly is fizzling out a little bit, and um, you know this isn't the way that Villa would have wanted to end the season over the last nine or ten games, which have coincided with Jack Grealish's injury. Of course, um, Villa just haven't quite looked at it. You know, haven't looked the same side as as they were when they were at their scintillating best at, at the start. You know, and in the first half of the season, so disappointing really. But I mean. The, the, the Villa supporters are entirely, um, you know, they have the right to to expect and want more. I want to put that point across because they, you know, they've they've experienced their club at the top, um, you know, end of the table over the years, and and you know, under Martin O'Neill, they were a top six eyes rep, top six side regular. Um, I totally get that supporters want that; they they want more for their club, but this season for me. It was just about improving on last season, consolidating. I, I still think that if Villa finish, I, I feel like it. I feel like it's a little bit harsh at the moment that they're in eleventh place. I feel like they're a top half team and that that they deserve to be in the top half. Um, but you know, I, I think if they finish around those mid mid table uh, places, they can look back at this season and think, yeah, you know, that was a really that was a really positive season. We, we're now established almost back in the Premier League. You know, we're not a relegation threat inside anymore. We are gradually improving. Dean Smith, he's, he's taken us forward, I think. You know, every single season he's took us forward still. Next season, and I, and I think I've said this on a few podcasts now, next season is the real one. It's when the pressure starts building on um, you know, the team, the manager, the, the board, the people behind them. Because if you continue to spend that amount of money, then you, you've got to keep progressing. And, you know, the, the challenge for Villa next season is to get sort of eighth and above, isn't it? Because yeah. of where they are now. And that's going to be the real hard one. But for now, I think got to sort of just 
take stock and think this has been a positive season. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I've enjoyed this season for the most part. I can definitely see there's progress all around the club. I feel there's progress and that they're, they're in a good place. But at the moment, I've got a few little niggling things concerning me. The first one is that the record without Jack over the last three seasons isn't good. And you can't, you can't dress that up. And a lot of people who are on Smith's back at the moment, they'll, they'll point towards that record and say that we're too reliant on Jack. Admittedly, as a whole on the pitch, the football club is way too reliant on one player, albeit he's probably a world-class player and Villa aren't going to be able to attract many world-class players at this time. You've got to build the club around him. But we don't, we don't win enough games when he doesn't play. And that was the same case in the Championship, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah, totally. I think, it, look, you know, you can, you can highlight those areas and say, look, Jack's the difference. And he certainly is. Villa are a much better team when he plays. Um, but the, the team has evolved a lot from from the championship days. If you put that, if you put this current team in the championship, they they still win many games without Jack. So, um, yeah. you know that I, I totally get your point, Dan. Um, what you're trying to say, and and yeah, they they need to address that next season because this season they've shown they can't get the they can't get the points without Jack, and they and they need to. So there can't be an over reliance on one player. You know, who, whoever it may be, and Villa need to know that if for any reason one of their players um, you know, sustains an injury or he's suspended, that they can fill that position with an adequate replacement. And next season, they will be at that stage where they should be able to say that this season and last season, they were still rebuilding, they were still building a Premier League squad. You know, it, it, think, think, how many, think how many changes they've actually had to make from that championship. No, no, I agree. It's, it's almost every player that, that's had to be changed. You know, even a lot of the players that were that were signed at current were loan players as well in the championship and, and wouldn't have joined Villa if they hadn't got promoted. So they've had to completely rebuild the squad and and make it Premier League ready. So the the challenge for Villa now is to have a, a, a strong replacement in almost every position. You know, the, at the moment we we can't say that. Goalkeeper, yes, couple of centre halves. I think yes, you know, Hawes, if if Hawes can come in and and fill in for Conza and Mings. I don't think Neil Taylor's as good as um, Matt Target. I don't think Elmer Hamad is as good as Matt Cash, but you could probably get by with that. The six midfielders who who um, are all pretty much of a much of a muchness, and me, I can't really think of the best three. I think it's more game depending. Um, and then up from we haven't got an adequate replacement for for Ollie Watkins, so. There's work to be done. They need five or six real good signings, I think, to, to be in to be in with um, a shout of, of breaking into that top seven right. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Second concern at the moment, and it's been playing on my mind for a few weeks, and I haven't particularly brought it up on the podcast, but McGinn and Louise 
that they're not there at the moment. I think of Louise after after lockdown and all his defensive work, his, his interceptions in finding himself in the right place. I'm not noticing that in games at all at the moment. And McGinn, I, I honestly don't think he's anywhere near his best level. And I don't think he has been since, since to, probably in 2021. I don't think McGinn's been anywhere near the level that I know he's capable of. It's a long time now to, to not be hitting top form. And, and those two are, are worrying me in the, in the middle of the park at the moment, Greg. Yeah, I'll share your concern there. I have to admit, you know, I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for John McGinn. I really like him, but I think even he'll know deep down that he's not he's not hitting the levels at the moment. Um, hasn't scored a goal, I don't think, since the 7-2 Liverpool game. That's not so much a problem, I wouldn't say, because he's played a lot of time deep. But he's not, he's not impacting the game at all. He, he, he's, he's trying passes that aren't coming off. I don't remember him carrying the ball too often in games, which is which is what he's good at. I just, I, it's just not there. And to be fair, it's the same whoever plays central midfield. It's just not there. But he's a big concern because he's a big player for Villa. Yeah, I just I think we, we I think we highlight McGinn because we expect so much more from him, don't we? We know what he's capable of. We know that there's that Chelsea performance in him, you know, that Manchester United performance where he was brilliant. Um, wasn't Man United game, wasn't he? Where he was, where he was everywhere. I remember was the Chelsea, Chelsea game. Chelsea, Chelsea yeah, I think getting confused. You know, we know that that that's that's your John McGinn. You know, it's not the one that sort of isn't quite hitting the levels at the moment. We know how good John McGinn is. Um, what's helped him in previous seasons is, is that his goals have sort of backed him up as well. You know, he's always been in the right place and, and got a couple of goals. Those those efforts from outside the box where the corners are falling to him, they're just not going in at the moment. And and, and he's not getting on the end of things like he like he's managing to do for Scotland, um, you know, admittedly against uh, lower opposite, low-ranked opposition. But... I think things need to change with Villa. They need they need to get moving in those middle areas because you know if if Louise and McGinn don't start you know really stepping up, then they're going to be at risk of potentially losing the place next season. And because you know, Villa are going to go big again in the market, and they're going to look at areas where they feel like they're underperforming and try and strengthen those. So there's there's an onus on those two now to start getting going because Louise is the same for me. I, I don't see him breaking up play as much as he did before. I don't see him um, winning the ball, beating his beating his man, and then moving the ball quickly and efficiently. I just I just don't see it. You know, it's not it's not quite there for him. Um, I, I don't necessarily think either of them are playing badly. I just know that they're not quite at the levels that they previously set. So there's there's a there's a bit of work to do. I think um, the midfield's a bit of a concern for me. Yeah, the word I'd use at the moment is it's a bit stale. There's just there's nothing really go, going on in there. And I, and I rate both players, don't get me wrong. I think they're both really, really good players, Louise and McGinn. I, I mean, we had a problem with Louise at the first half of last season, but the, when they came back, we were waxing lyrical about him every week. And I don't think there's a Villa fan out there that doesn't love John McGinn. And I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. But I just think in 2021, they've not been at the, at the level that they need to be and that Villa have needed them to be. And he's starting to be a worry. McGinn, to his credit, did get an assist, obviously. I mean, it's a bit unkind to take the assist away from Allison, but McGinn did get an assist on Saturday. Ollie Watkins scored again against Liverpool. Absolutely has loved playing them this season. You wrote a little piece on him as well, didn't you? After after the game, he was he was your main focus, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought I thought he was the man of the match. I thought he was the best player on the pitch, to be honest. You know, the way he held the ball up. I think what he's bringing to his game now is he's he's uh, he's linking up others quite well in terms of just, you know, using his feet, not, not necessarily in the air, which we knew he could do previously, but um, those little, those little soft passes setting up his teammates, bringing the wingers into play. I like that. He's bringing that into his game. Um, I like the celebration, you know, a little note towards his, his girlfriend who, who's pregnant at the moment. 
Um, and, and he's just an overall, you know, really good lad. No, nobody has a bad word to say about him. He's, he's, he's made a couple of new friends in the England setup, and um, you know they've noticed how good he is as well. Um, so yeah, just a, just a real all-round team player. So that, you know, the, the, there's a little bit more detail in the story if you want to go and have a read of it. I'm sure um, some of the Villa fans will find that interesting. But you know, I, I certainly enjoyed writing it. Yeah, if you do want to go and read that person, you're not signed up to the Athletic, then I'll point you back to the offer at the start of the show. I can't remember it off the top of my head now, but if you go back and listen, the offer is there. You talk about him laying it off to wide players, Greg. He's not going to have a wide player to lay it off to soon because the, the treatment table suddenly getting really, really busy for Villa and the, the Trezeguet injury, season-ending injury for him, looks a bad one with his knee. Have you, have you any idea how long he's going to be out for? Because I think that's probably going to be long-term, isn't it? Yeah, it's a re- it's a serious injury. You know, there's no time frame put on it. But I mean, you, you look how long Tom Heaton and and Wesley were out. So, um, you know, I don't like to put dates on it. But if he plays again this year, he'd be lucky. I think by the sounds of it. Um, shame for Trezeguet. You know, not a nice fella. Somebody who, um, you know, still getting getting to grips. Uh, yeah, still getting to grips with the language. <laughs> Sounds like I'm struggling with the language yeah. as well. Here, but, um, yeah, still still getting to grips with the language, you know. So he's not he's not as um, comfortable, so to speak, around the place as the others. But um, a likable lad. Obviously, Ahmed Al-Mohamed, he takes him under his wing and tries to guide him through various things. But it'd be tough for him now because, um, you know, he's a player that just believes if he works hard enough, he'll get his chance. And... He was back in the starting lineup in good form, having scored two goals against Fulham, and then that happens to him. Obviously, it can happen to anyone, but a, re- a real, real disappointment for him. Bertrand Traore as well pulled up with a, with you know, look, with what looked like the same problem in his rib that uh, affected him at Newcastle. I think when he when he fell into the advertising hoardings, and um, John John Terry was shaking his head. Obviously, you know, a bad sign for him as well. We don't, don't know how serious that is right now, but yeah, you know, over ten. I think like nine days until the Man City game. So yeah, hopefully a bit of rest might do him all right. But and then obviously Grealish out. So the only the only senior wide player Villa have got available to them is is Anwar Al Ghazi. And I think we can all agree it hasn't really worked for him over the last few months either. So, you know, not ideal at all. No, I mean, does that do you think that means now? I mean, I don't think there's gonna be any choice to at least have a have a kid on the bench now, but we're gonna to have to blood some youngsters towards the back end of the season. Might not be a bad thing. I mean, they're going to have to probably by default. You know, it's like they had four attacking players on the bench against uh, against Liverpool: Barkley, Ramsey, Al Ghazi, and Davis. You know, which to be honest isn't very strong, is it? And and you know that 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 has they've lost another two attackers now. So the likes of Jaden Filler, Gene Bidas will will probably come into contention. Louis Barry might, um, although you know I, I don't still see him making an impact. Just you know, just yet, um, and then you've got obviously Kane Kessler who can play right back or, or right midfield. I think out of the three, he's probably the most advanced. He, you know, he seems to be uh, the right character and, and certainly built a little bit better than the others and, and, and ready for the Premier League. So you know, maybe one of those will be called up on. Two of those three have all been. Uh, two of those three have been on the bench anyway this season. So you know, it won't be nothing new for them to come on the bench. Um, whether they feature or not remains to be seen. Yeah, we also had a back four on the bench, which I, I never like yeah, to see. You don't like that, you do don't you? need you yeah. don't need about an entire back four on, on the bench, but albeit Villa had it at the weekend. It just shows at the moment we, we stretch the squad depth isn't quite there, and if you get injuries, it's really gonna gonna cause you some some problems. Anything else from the, from the Liverpool game that, that you want to discuss, yeah. Greg? 
But going back to the midfield areas, really, I mean, with Sanson injured, um, you know, obviously he missed out. Barkley came on, didn't really do much. I just feel like, I feel like Villa missed a trick a little bit in, in the transfer window. It feels like Sanson's just not really much of a different player to what they've got. He's a, feels like, I don't want to call it a wasted signing because it's too soon, but I don't know what he's, di- I don't know what, He's bringing different, and I, I don't know where they think Jacob Ramsey's going to play. He was put out on the right for a little bit. He's played deeper, hasn't he? He's played advanced. I feel like just it's just not quite going right in the midfield areas. They just need to really nail down what what works for them, and then you know build on that. It just feels like that you know the season at the start of the season, you knew exactly how Villa were going to play, who was going to play, and it's. It's a guessing game now, isn't it? You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you think to when we were looking a really good team, one of the most exciting teams in the in the division. Like you say, the the team pretty much p- picked itself, and it's a, it's a mishmash at the moment. It's a different players for, for different games, which sometimes it isn't a bad thing. But I think when you're off form and you're not doing well, I don't think it can be used as a, as a positive. And we have to try and rectify that because otherwise the season really is going to going to end with a whimper, and that's what no Villa fan wants. You you want this season. To, to be positive and with that in mind actually I'm going to move on to the to the top three customers are rushing to your store do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS you need Shopify for retail Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify has everything you need to sell in person with Shopify you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So you tasked me with top three seasons as a Villa fan since I've, since I've been going down. And what it made me realise is that even when we have a good season, there's an annoyance in there. There's something that, that annoys you bar one season. There's always been a, been a, a gripe or an annoyance if Villa have had a good season. So I've, I've picked my top three and I'll, I'll go in re- reverse. Order. So the third one I've gone for is 07-08, the first season under O'Neill when he got to do a load of transfer business because he came in late, didn't he? The season yeah. before. So th- <clears throat> this was the season Villa finished sixth for the first time of, of three. And it was just a really exciting young side, wasn't it? It was a side that everyone enjoyed watching. I think if Villa had had a better goalkeeper. Yeah, is that Carson? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I think Villa would have got top four that year and they're actually really really close to getting top four anyway but in the end we finished sixth qualify for the intertoto cup so that was a enjoyable season under o'neill but we always had that bad run around march april under o'neill and it was exactly the same in this season and that, that season i really really villa could have broke the top four in any any one of martin o'neill seasons but i actually think that one is one that goes under the radar as that was our best chance to get top four because we had i think we had a really good side that season Everybody assumes that was the real chance of, of breaking into the top four because of you know Villa were actually there, weren't they, until sort of mm. Moscow, and then it just um, just tailed away. But yeah, yeah, some yeah, some good thoughts from from that season, mate. Yeah, second one I've gone for is the the promotion year seventeen eighteen, purely because of that 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 uh, it wasn't seventeen eighteen, was it? it was eighteen nineteen eighteen yeah. nineteen. Sorry, just because that ten game winning run was just incredible. Villa Park was an incredible place to be every week. You turn up pretty certain Villa were going to win. Jack Grealish was flying. John McGinn was flying. It was Tammy Abraham was flying as well. It was just a, a really enjoyable run, that that 10-game run and the, the Villa boys of Aston song. And it just mm. it feels so long ago since I've been to Villa Park now that there's just that time has got happy memories in my head. And obviously, when you go to a, to a final and win at Wembley and end up getting promoted, it's, it's the best way to get promoted it's also the worst way to lose but it's the best way to get promoted and that that season will live long in the memory best kits for years as well and <laughs> under Luke Roper it was just a really good season Dean Smith coming in so I think that goes down as the the second most enjoyable for me yeah you mentioned it there didn't you, you know it's the best way to win it certainly is the best way to win and the fact that Villa had lost the previous year in at Wembley just you know fueled the fire even more didn't it, it made that win at Wembley even more um, yes. you know enjoyable because supporters had experienced the pain the year before yeah good good season that I remember Twanzebi as well the Twanzebi song and um yeah that, that gained a lot of momentum didn't it and th- there was one real funny moment when we were we were at Rotherham and uh, we were just about to do Dean Smith's press conference uh, after the game and you know that obviously Warren Mings had been sent off um Villa came back from a goal behind and, and won 2-1 as, as most people remember um and all of a sudden you could just hear the Twanzebi song from like um in the distance and it was the dressing room like they were all singing it and <laughs> it was brilliant and then like a few of the masseurs had posted on the on their socials and stuff after singing it when they when they were back at Bodymore Reef the next day just it was just a good time wasn't it you know it was yeah. a really really good feel good factor around the place at that time I think that had been mostly after years of absolute horror and pain as well and I think the Rotherham game was actually the one where I started to think I think we're going to do this, you know. Uh, I think, I think, I think we're going to go up, and it was just incredible considering the position we were in at, at one point. So yeah, that was a, an enjoyable season as a Villa fan. The number one probably won't be much of a surprise because it's the last time Aston Villa won anything. Ninety five, ninety six under under Brian Little. I've been 
10 and 11 going through that season. It was just like, I think it was my second or third season as a season ticket holder. And we were just brilliant. Such a such a good side with the three at the back and the wing backs, Savo and York up, up front, Ian Taylor in, in midfield. It was just such a such a great side. And obviously the last Villa side to ever win anything at that point. I thought winning the Coca-Cola Cup every few years was the absolute norm as a Villa fan. Unfortunately, there's been zero since, except for the Intertoto Cup, the Peace Cup and the Cup of Traditions, Greg. But yeah. I mean, you'd have been young. You'd None of them count, by the way. No, no, no. Agreed. <laughs> you're you're younger than me, so you probably don't remember that time at, at all. But it was just it was no, just absolutely brilliant. And I love speaking to Brian Little and Tails about those times because those guys were heroes to me as kids. Yeah, no, I remember it was giving up to you in '96 as well, wasn't it? it was good yeah, times just before. Good times with football. I mean, I was that. I think probably the first sort of real tournament memory as well. I had, you know, I had the, the Shearer shirt nine on the, the England shirt with Shearer nine on the back. That was certainly my my first England memories, anyway. But yeah, no, I remember I remember that season well. Um, uh, yeah, good good year for Villa, and I think Villa supporters did, as you say, thought that you would go on and win that cup quite a lot, but. Nothing's happened since, unfortunately. And, no. and, you know, Brian Little speaks about it quite passionately, doesn't he? He thought that, um, you know, that was one of the best teams that he'd ever managed and certainly the most enjoyable time for him. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy Brian Little is. One of the nicest guys in football. Just to carry on with the with the fun thing, because there's not much fun going on for Villa at, at the moment. I know it's on, on The Athletic. They were doing a, a little chat thing yesterday saying what's the best thing that's ever bought been bought in a club shop. So they're asking subscribers to, to write in with what's the best thing they've ever bought from the club shop. So it got me thinking about a few things that I'd purchased over the years from the, the Villa this store. This is peak Bardell time, yeah. this is, isn't it? Peak like, geek time. Now, this is good, though, because I used to like going down at the end of the season because they'd sell off all the old players' kit, all the old players' training wear, and they'd even chuck some boots in and stuff in there, you know? So oh, really? I, was, I had a big football match coming up in a week's time. I went down to Villa Park to just pick up some training gear, basically. And then you never guess what was sitting there, Greg. Exact same size as me. Steve Sidwell's Adidas Predators with Sidwell, oh, nice. Sidwell on the side of them. I thought, I'll have them, not for memorabilia. I'll have them to wear because they're 50 quid instead of 150 quid or whatever they were supposed to be. <laughs> so I actually ended up playing a football match in Steve Sidwell's boots. Well, that's decent. I think I was crap. I think I was crap. I remember. Crap like you got Simon Grayson's socks or something. But... And I've got John Carew's trousers in the collection somewhere. I've got a pair of Jack's trousers as well somewhere as, as well. Yeah. Take yeah, the Sidwell to either of those. I <laughs> no, do. They fit me. They fit me. John Carew's trousers. You fit into John Carew's trousers. They're a little. Now nah, you know they're like those tight ones that they wear around training. So they're a little <laughs> oh, bit baggier right, yeah. on me than, than they should be, but they, but they do fit. I was gonna say they'd be like flares. They, they do they? fit. I mean, Steve Sidwell didn't contribute very much to Villa over the years. For some reason, I've got a couple of his shirts that he, that he wore in games because they seem to be easy to get hold of. And then yeah, I've got I had his boots knocking around as well. I think they fell apart. In the end, and as I say, I don't think I played very well in the game. In him, it's probably maybe that's why he why he was no good. Maybe those those boots were cursed because he, he was certainly didn't, didn't lift off at Villa ever. And then I wore them, and I was rubbish as well. So there was obviously something about those boots, Greg. It's a good find though, mate. It's a, Fifty quid. It's I was happy. A good, good little story to share with us. I was, as I say, I was expecting you know a, a, a terrible anecdote, but no, fair play, mate. Yeah. For those, have you still uh, have you still got them? Nah, they fell apart. They'd oh, been battered. There is training boots. They've been battered. But I just needed one game out of them, really. Yeah, well. Size nine, if you're interested, Steve Sidwell. <laughs> Size nine added as Predator. Oh, good fun, mate. You've got a look of bewilderment on your face. Next thing, Greg. Looking for a Marlon update from you. You gave it the big one last oh, week yes. about getting in touch with Marlon and getting, getting him on the podcast. And I'm not saying those. Yeah, I should, I... 
can I have another week, please? I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> you're all, you're always busy, Greg. Started following busy. me on LinkedIn, so maybe I should message him. Yeah, give him give him a message. Let's get, let's get Marlon on the podcast. It's what everyone wants, not just me. Everyone, every Villa fan, I want to hear from Marlon Harewood. Greg, we'll move on to the questions now. And Jack Miller's back with another question. I'm not even going to bother doing his second one. He's moved away from films and tried to hit me with boy bands. So technically, he's done what I asked him to do. But he has asked a, a reasonable question as well at the start. He said, which single Villa Premier League player since 1992 would you add to this side to improve it immeasurably? Goodness, man. Um, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh... <laughs> God, stomp me here. Um... I've got one. Shall I go with mine? Yeah, go on. You tell me yours. Let me. I'll have another. I'll have a quick think. Because uh... the thing is, you have to think where Villa needs someone at the moment. So Dwight York is one of the best players I've seen. Paul Merson's one of the best players I've seen. But Villa don't need a player like that at the moment. So I'm actually going to go with again one of the nicest people in football. Villa could do with a Tony Daly down the wing. Okay, it's a good shout. Villa could do something else on the wing. I'm going to say Gareth Barra. Yeah, that's a good thing. I think I think Gareth Barry would 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 fit brilliantly into this current team. I think and he'd certainly improve it. Yeah. Um, But Tony Tony Daly's a good shout. They could do with someone really quick and and nippy like that, couldn't they? Yeah, or Ashley Ashley Young that that 0708 season. Just they just need something different out wide at the moment. Sorry, Dales, I I love you, mate. But Ashley Young over Dales any day. I'm going to go with Tony just for the just for the absolute raw pace. There's the raw Bill, I, don't, I feel like we don't have much raw pace in the side at the moment. We're a bit, mm. a bit one one track going forward. That's a good question, actually. Who's that from, Dan? Yeah, it's from the normal guy. I've forgotten his name. The guy that asks the questions <laughs> every week and completely stumps us because we've never seen the films. Jack Miller. You've only Jack got, Miller. One, I put you've my got phone one down. name to remember. I put, I put my phone down. Jack, Jack Miller. Thanks, the, Jack. The, Thanks, the, Jack. The, That's the, a good question. More of those, mate. I enjoy them ones. Do you want to try, with, try your second one? Oh, come on. If you had to make a boy band out of this squad, who would be in it? What boy band do we make? We'll do it five. We'll do it together. Yeah. How many yeah. in NSYNC? Or should we just stick with five? I think there's four in NSYNC. Four or five seem to be the go-to number. Obviously, okay. there's five in five. Yeah, obviously. Like that's five. I mentioned it like, but... Yeah. Um, okay, so we, we'd have to be... It's too obvious. There's two Matty obvious. Matty Cash, Jack yeah. Grealish. Mings. Um, Tyra Mings, yeah. Uh, I think Mings would be the lead singer. I think Jacob Ramsey maybe gets in. Ooh. And oh. I think you have Target in. There's always a guy. Uh, I there's always a guy like Target in there. A bit quiet. There's always a bit of a bad boy as well. So maybe we could throw Big Wes in there. Yeah, Wes could be the bad boy. The Robbie Williams. <laughs> Wes could do that, couldn't he? I think we've picked about nine players there, Greg. It's no, we got five. We got five. I'm going to stick we? stick with our five. So it's. It's um, Matty Cash, yeah. Jack Grealish, Jack. Tyron Mings, Big Wes, and Jacob Ramsey. I'm not sure about the Ramsey shout, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. I feel like Louise. You've would... got to have the young, fresh, vibrantness about it and, True. you know, appeal to the younger market. I was going to ask you what you would call this band, but... Five. I don't, five. Yeah, just five. Well done, Greg. <laughs> five Mark Two. <laughs> nothing, nothing to do with nothing to do with Villa. Couldn't have come up with a Villa now. Just five. Yeah. I think that, I need more time to think about that. I think with that level of creativity, it's probably a good time to end the podcast. No game for Villa this weekend. I'm actually quite glad of a of a weekend off after after the, the stoppage time winner from Trent. It's it's still haunting me. I'm still not sleeping well after Villa making a making a late throwaway. So yeah, quite glad that there's no game. But we'll be back with a podcast next week. Greg and I have got uh, going off to interview someone on Thursday, so that might be out at some point as well looking forward to doing that with you on thursday mate and yeah that does us thanks very much you got anything coming up any written pieces that you can tease us with 
Uh, no, just looking forward to that interview on Thursday. Yeah, it should be good. Um, you know, real, real good one for the podcast, real good get. So, you know, we're looking forward to that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll leave you all with that, guys. Good stuff. Thanks very much. And thanks to everyone for listening and sending in questions as well. I didn't get through as many of them as I would have liked this week, but we'll be back on that next week. Only one thing left to say up at the villa. took an, un- an unexpected turn at the end with the boy bands <laughs> clarita oh yeah like it nice good <laughs> yeah i didn't have anything to be fair oh i've just thought of one now go on so the jack street boys <laughs> oh my god i thought of it too late damn never mind the athletic